and welcome to another episode of Who Gives a Hoot Playoff Edition. Woo! I'm Luke. That's Ryan. What's up? Can't see our faces today because we're recording in the morning and coffee is not doing it today. So, <laughs> uh, isn't that true? Hey, yeah. All right, so let's uh let's jump into some news. Yeah. Uh, for a second straight season, Rashid Nuhu, Golden Glove. Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, we didn't want him to be hurt, but I think him not playing the last few matches, yeah, probably helped him quite a bit because it didn't affect his percentage. Since that one is purely a uh, purely based off of your um, off. Of Wait, the- I think you have to have played a certain amount of games, which he definitely qualified for. Yep. Uh, because like you had, um, like, uh, we had that one guy for Madison that came in for like a game. Right. Uh, had a had a shutout, and no, it, he did not qualify. Uh, but but let's let's acknowledge that Cheeto is and remains to be or remains the best keeper in the league. Um, Golden Glove just you no know, solidifies that. I I do appreciate that um, a few of these awards like that because they are statistical. You we tend to have consistency in winners because even wasn't Golden Boot Terzaghi again. Yeah, I mean, Terzaghi, I think we've been saying this now. He's been in the league, what, three seasons, won it every year. Yeah. Uh, he He's too old to go up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, he, he's at the end of his career, but he's still performing. Yeah, he's still damn good, though, and he still scores goals. Yeah, exactly. So, I, I don't – like, with Rashid, I – I would love to see him back for the sake of his career. I hope he's not. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and we can, uh, there's a question. Yeah, we, we took some Twitter questions, so we'll, we'll get to that, uh, towards, towards the end. And I yeah. think there, yeah, there is one, one pertaining one to that. Typically about roster that I think would be a really good conversation for sure. Yeah. Um, other bit of news, uh, Yesterday, you were recording this on Friday morning. Um, <laughs> yesterday, football, football for the world uh, launched their mini pitch at uh, Jackson Elementary, uh, which um, Parliament pitched in. Uh, I, I, I was never the money guy um, there, but thousands of dollars <laughs> towards that project. Yeah, <laughs> but pitched in thousands of dollars towards that project and. Um, I, I swung out there, uh, for that event and that, that was just uh, amazing. You know, 300 kids, local wow. athletes, uh, professional collegiate, um, as well as supporters of soccer, uh, throughout the Metro there. And it just seeing 80 to a hundred kids, the second the ribbon was cut, just stream onto that mini pitch and just kicking as many balls around as they could find like that's awesome that was something it was just such a such a great moment and huge congratulations to our friends over at football for the world 
uh, on getting that done. Absolutely. Uh, I saw your picture. Yoskar got to uh, got to work on his future profession that he could um, keep going after soccer is no longer um, something he can pursue of being a motivational speaker. So, well, I mean, he's getting his college degree through the partnership with Be- or the team's partnership with Bellevue University. Uh, he's getting public speaking gigs and he's a professional soccer player. Like that, that is a Renaissance man. That's right. Does it all. I, and and as far as I know, ladies, he's single. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, those of you that are around the 19 to 22 age range. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Um, yeah, that's cool. I'm I'm really proud. I mean, you and I were texting a little bit last night, but you know, Monica and her team does so much good for the community when it comes to soccer. And this is just another example. And the second mini pitch now that they have open that you know that can help kids find the sport that that we you know everybody listening to this clearly loves the sport. If you're following a a very specific podcast for a tier three soccer team in the United States. <laughs> You you clearly love this sport, and um, it's just it's cool what we're doing here in Omaha um, with uh, with an organization like Football for the World. So I, I just think it's really neat to, the, the, what they do. Yeah, and honestly, having an organization like that in a city like Omaha just speaks to the level of commitment to the sport in in this city uh, and in this metro that just the you don't get that everywhere and you know knowing i mean we're on three but this this podcast started what 2019 just before the new year yeah so yeah uh, this has been been running a while uh, and seeing how how soccer's grown um throughout that time and the amazing work that's being done by football for the world and others throughout the Metro to, to really grow the sport has just been um, it utterly, utterly confounding to me. Like I, I, I didn't expect that when I, when I got involved and it's just so great to see. Absolutely. But, Wait, uh, we, news we forgot about. What other news we got? Um, for his sixth time on team of the week this season, JP Skears made team of the week. Um, so I only wanted to bring that up because it's one of the few highlights we had from, from the last, uh, regular season game that happened. So, uh, congrats uh, AP. I, I think it's, it's worth putting out there. Did we really lose a game if JP didn't get team of the week? I, I mean, statistically, <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I, I mean, J. That just goes to show, though, that JP is getting recognized for how good of a player he is, even when UO is not not uh, performing to the best of their ability. Um, I love some of these stats they gave because it's a lot of the unsung stats that people don't see if you're not, you know, if you're just a casual viewer of soccer, you know, 17 passes into the final third. You know, those are. Those are chance creating passes he's making. 80% of his aerial duels were won, and he had seven ball recoveries. 
So he's literally yeah. doing it from the back to the front of the pitch. You know, seven ball recoveries means he's coming back and playing defense. 17 passes into the final third means he's trying to set up goals. The, the, the guy does everything across the pitch, which is amazing, and he deserves that recognition. It, his work rate has been so good this year. Insane. Uh, and his growth since 2020 has, like, we, we've we talked about that with, with the other guys. Like, Shido's gotten better. Dalton's gotten better. And Dalton, honestly, should be making team of the week just about every week, considering how well he's working on that back line. But Agreed. defenders don't get the recognition they deserve. But JP's ceiling just keeps going up. And it's been it's been a pleasure to watch him play. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's we 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 talked about uh, how we weren't actually going to talk about the game, but let's talk about uh, Mims's reaction to the game. Yeah, fired up. I man. I have never seen Mims so discontented, angry in one of those. He he was at a loss for words in a way that doesn't it doesn't come from him often. Uh, he there was a lot of emotion in that loss to him, um, and yeah, he tends to I, be a guy that um, at least in the Mims minutes that they release, he te- he tends to try and at least find a level of positivity to take from those types of games even if it doesn't go our way. Um, and he did a little bit with his comment about, you know, we're only three games away from winning a championship and start, you know, that, then that's a good way. That's a good coach speak of redirecting the mindset. But, um, but yeah, I mean, typically even in, in tough losses, he finds, you know, we look good here. So we got to, you know, em- embrace that, but also improve over here. And he, he kind of struggled even with that this last time. Yeah, I one of one of the key points he did make there, and this was not him blaming the refs, uh, was we weren't able to find rhythm. It, Fresno had Central Valley, what, whatever they are, um, had thirty three fouls against us. That's insane. Over. And people were in shock of the 10 minutes of stoppage time and the end of the second half. But when you figure that in, like there's no way to build a rhythm when you're being fouled that much and that consistently. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it explains a lot of where, where people were thinking we look disjointed. And if you're not able to build the rhythm and you're not able to, you know, keep the flow of play going, you're going to get frustrated. You're going to start making poor decisions. And I definitely think that's, that's a little of what happened there. So obviously you and I always talk before these things and I'm going to save some thoughts on this for when we actually record. I think this is a really good example of, of how teams have figured out how to play against base style. Um, if you think about the teams that we've struggled to beat or we've, you know, like the Madisons, the Chattanoogas, which obviously we're going to talk about that a little bit here in a minute. Um, 
you know, even I think even Richmond a little bit this year, um, Greenville, they're they're typically teams. Greenville's not as foul heavy, but you know, the teams that that have figured out that if you are aggressive with our players, you foul a lot, you put in heavy challenges, uh, and the ref isn't pulling yellow cards immediately, which always you know that always plays into it of how you can play that style. But those are usually the teams that have success against us. And Chattanooga or uh, Fuego in that first uh, that first home match we played them when we beat them three nil. They they tried to play the open you know concept they have for a team of trying to fly around the ball, trying to get it moving fast, and it came back to bite them because we were able to play our style of counterattacking football and. Yep. And they lost the ball a lot. And I think that they learned as the season went on, whether it was from their own experiences or watching watching tape, they learned that if, if you foul us, especially in the midfield, and you get us off our rhythm, it's really hard for us to play our style that we want to play. And and I, I think that it's just that's something we're going to have to work around, especially if Jay wants to keep this type of football being played on our pitch. Yeah. No, I – I mean, that, that sums it up perfectly is, you know, they, they figured Jay out. Um, and I don't think this isn't the water boy where he's only got one playbook uh, right. and can't come up with a new play. But I, I think it, it's definitely put him back to the drawing board on with the pieces he has, with the injuries that are, are playing a part that are going to lead us into a, a very challenging situation in Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a perfect time to segue out of the, the downs and into the what ifs. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, so here's the thing too. Like, I think, I think people figured us out last year. Um, yeah. And if you want to talk about a what if, what if we had kept some of the guys from last season to this season, I think, Yes, we've talked a lot about the talent on this team, including the bench, seems to be at a higher level. But I think that one of the differences last year was when we got into those situations, we had people that could just grab, you know, guys on that team that could grab the game and just take it over, you know, and maybe foul heavy, but Greg's going to put one in the back of the net or Evan's going to do something or, you know, we just had guys that could really like flow that way. And so, yeah. I think that's a lot of, of, of what's impacted this team this year is it's, it's a pretty much a brand new team again, you know, as much as we don't want to admit to that. So, yeah, I mean, Chattanooga, the biggest thing we know going into that match is they're also going to be a physical team. Especially. Yeah. I, and Chattanooga has, has the home field advantage because we, we lost. Uh, they have had some pretty good crowds this year. Um, I'm expecting there to be a, a good crowd there. It, it's a soccer specific pitch, which is beneficial uh, for our guys, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the only thing that worries me uh, with the way teams have been playing very physical to break up our rhythm, to break up the counterattack. Uh, 
as we heard last year and in 2020 when our guys played there, hitting the ground there hurts. Yeah. Like my my biggest worry is we we win, but we don't have enough guys to play the next game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, this is the type of match that I think. I mean, I don't remember. I'd have to look up Chattanooga and their scoring this season. I don't. I mean, they were a pretty decently high scoring team this year, if I remember. Um. If I remember correctly, but you know, it's it's one of those matches I can see ending ending having to go to extra time or even penalties because our defense, you know, defensively, we've you know our goal difference is only one. It's not like it's like this great goal difference, really. Yeah, uh, but it's because we can't score. It's not because we give up tons of goals. I mean. Not not a lot of not a lot of. Well, yeah, I mean, we lost. we finished the season with thirteen draws. Right, exactly. Um, you know, Chattanooga, which is also a, a league league high, I believe, in the oh, history of the league. Would have to be. I had I have no doubt about that. Um, you know, Chattanooga this season they're they're sitting on if my computer will load. Um. They, you know, they're sitting with 41 goals inside the box. You know, 11 of them, 11 of them scored outside the box. One from a direct free kick. I mean, they're sitting on lots and lots of goals. They scored 52 goals this season. You know, yeah. um, it's so it, it has the potential if our defense isn't on their game to be a multi-goal loss, but it also if our defense is playing out of their mind like they usually do, it also has the potential to be a game where if we can snag a goal and hold on, or what's been happening to us is snag a goal early on and then give one up in the 80th minute, and somehow we end up going to extra time or even to penalties. That's, the, that's I guess, the thing I worry about the most is the minutes these guys are going to end up on the field in these games because we – don't tend to score a lot of goals. Yeah. And uh, talking with some of the guys, they, they're they hungry for this. They, they know that, like, these past few games, like they're more unhappy than the fan base is. And this is a fan base that has had some great seasons. And when you when I see the guys playing for our team more angry about the results than our already rabid fans, and I, I'm using that term uh, intentionally, it, it's a good sign. Um, Agreed. They're they're hungry. They're ready uh, mentally, physically, uh, for most of them. Uh, which I'll I'll talk about in a second, but they're going into that. They've played there already this season. A few few of them played there, um, you know, last season and season before as well. Yep. But they're going in. They know the pitch. That is a good good pitch. We're able to play out wide, which with this team has benefited us a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Having both Shaft and Jiba out there, I, I think is going to be 
be huge. Uh, being able to to make those those flying runs, uh, get the ball cr- like out wide. Uh, I know they've been working on crosses. Like th- this could be a very very fun different game to watch, regardless of the result. Well, and here here's the reality, right? So I'm looking at season long stats on the USL one site. So the this year. Chattanooga has had 288 total shots. That, that's any, that, the only thing that excludes is block shots. But, but they've scored 52 goals. So their conversion rate is about around 18%. We've had 279 total shots, including block shots, but we've only scored 34 goals. So yeah. this, is going, this potentially has the makings of a game where there are a lot of attempts whether they are on target or not, but a lot of attempts, a lot of shots, but not a lot of goals being scored, even though Chattanooga scored 18 more goals than we have this season. I just, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm glad the guys are hungry. I agree with you. The speed we have on the outside, I think that's really the biggest difference this season versus, um, versus last season is we have a lot more just raw speed out on the pitch at any given time. That's not to say we had slow guys last year. I just think we have found guys that are just that much faster. <laughs> um, that that you know, and and fast with the ball at their feet. Yeah, and and that's the that's the crazy part. That doesn't happen. You know, that's that's probably the hardest part of soccer outside of scoring a goal is being fast with a ball at your feet. Um, so I just, I mean, I, I think, I think yes, our defense is always going to be our defense and. You know, I don't know who we're going to have in goal. I know, I mean, just since we're we're talking about this game, uh, Chris uh, Johnson did ask us on Twitter if we have an expected lineup for this weekend. Um, I mean, I think I think if we start at the back, the the person I expect in goal is probably Kevin, just because I have yeah. no idea what's going on with Shido. Um, but as much as Shido's missed, I have a hard time believing. Even if he feels healthy, that Jay is ready to make that switch right now. Um, yeah, and and Kevin has played very well. I don't know that what's been going on with Kevin against him has been necessarily Kevin's fault. Um, no, I I think it it has to be brought up that I and I believe Kyle touched on this in his data dive. There's not Kevin has not held a clean sheet this season. Yeah, that's a good point. That that is not saying that he's not capable of it because we all know he's a fantastic keeper mm-hmm. could be a starter at any league one side um, and has opted to be the second string here in Omaha to, to Rashid. Uh, but yeah. when he's been asked to step up this season, he's done so, and he's done so well. So Kevin in the back, I agree. I don't think Rashid's, healthy um i have not heard anything one way or the other but i based on that he hasn't even hit the bench yet Mm -hmm. i i think i think we're we're not going to see him defense is another spot that a little bit worried about um because i don't know what we have uh, available uh i don't believe alex it is fit um, it seems that way, considering 
and that was part of where my mind was going too. You're talking about Kevin not keeping a clean sheet is I think the other thing that has probably impacted Kevin too, is the rotation of guys in front of him. Oh yeah. Uh, the inconsistency there because we know our best defensive pairing, no offense to, to friend of the podcast, uh, uh, G here, but, uh, we, we know our probably our best def- center back pairing is Alex and Dalton. Is Tushin yeah. Dalton, and that that um, that I think shows in what's happened over the last couple of games without Tush being out there. Yeah, Tush not being out there um, and not having Bawa uh, due to his ACL. Like that, that has definitely changed the way we're, we've been working the back. And we, when Isaac went out um, and we, we saw Dion in there, we're still doing it very well, but Dion's also questionable. Um, really wish we got an injury report, <laughs> but, yeah. but Jay, why Jay wouldn't, but yeah, it does make it. I, difficult. It, it, yeah. So do we start? Shaft back there? Do we start Eddie back there? Do we start Amir back there? Uh, well, my, my vote I, is no on the last person. Um, I, I agreed. Agreed. I guess, uh, in my opinion, we start Shaft back there with somebody on the wing that that can back him up because we know Shaft is going to go forward. Yeah. Um, if somebody is on the wing that, that can also fall back and help on some defense, because while shaft is super fast, um, we need somebody that can help, you know, fill in that gap when he falls back. Um, you know, unfortunately I think that this season, whether Dion was healthy, if Gio had stayed healthy, like there's guys out there that could do that and put in a shift that way. We just don't have it right now. Yeah. So, for the back line right now, what I, I would consider best is, like, like you said, Shaft, G, Dalton, and Ryan. G what? has grown a lot in that center back role. I still yeah. don't think it's his best one. I would prefer him at right back. But yeah. with Alex not guaranteed healthy, um, it, him, him in a center back. I'm, I'm comfortable with it, and I know there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of fans naysaying on G, and his, his ceiling is high. I think he's finding, he's finding it. Uh, he's learning from every mistake. I don't see him making the same mistakes over and over again. Agreed. Uh, he makes mistakes, but he's not. But don't I, I haven't? Yeah, like. It's tough because he's been thrown into this, a required player for this at the end of our season. Had he started there from the beginning, been one of our key center back pairings from the start of the season, I don't think we'd be seeing issues with him at this point. Well, I think we'd see the growth like we've seen in Ryan. I mean, all of us at first couple games, we were like, Ooh, is this really going to work? You know, we were comparing Ryan to Dami just because of where they were in in the, on the field and stuff like that. Um, Uh, Hold on. Hold on. You want my hot take? I love it. Ryan's ceiling is, uh, I'm talking a lot about ceilings today, but (laughs) Ryan's going to be better than Dami. 
Oh, uh, I mean, I don't disagree. I think that Ryan, the, the one thing Ryan probably has going for him more than Dami, and I love Dami, is Dami always wanted to be a winger. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Ryan I, really taken to becoming a defensive player, and he's learned, he's learned yeah. how to be a true left back and be attacking after that. And I, yeah, I agree. I think Ryan's ceiling is much higher. And I think Ryan understands that there's a possibility that if he becomes a, good defensive left back that also happens to be able to attack his, his ability to move up in the pyramid goes up too. Yeah. I, the, the one thing that I see that holds a lot of people back um, and I'm going to throw it to, to Ajax right now yeah. with, with uh, Ryan Gravenberg, mm-hmm. he's been doing amazingly for their attacking, but his defense has been holding him back and he's not been making the starting lineup because it can't be a hundred percent trusted on defense. You get that defensive base and you could end up like Dalton and be stuck there forever. Uh, but <laughs> you're, you're more likely to have the opportunities to advance. And with Ryan, that that's definitely the case, but let's move on to the midfield with that backline pairing. Mm-hmm. You've got to have JP. You you just have to have JP as the yep. six. Well, hell, the seven ball recoveries, right? <laughs> yeah. No, uh, JP, JP is the six. Uh, as we talked about, crossing is going to be a central this game. Joe. Yep. Uh, out there. Connor. Connor's off the ball read is, is fantastic. And because this is a four-four-two, and it will always be a four-four-two, no matter how many times I beat my head against the wall. Who are we throwing as the fourth? Well, I mean, depending on obviously if Dion's healthy enough to play, Dion's my choice to be out there, just because then we have Joe and Dion on the outsides. If he's not healthy, I think. I mean, I think Luis ends up getting out there because Connor is one of those guys, even though he doesn't have the speed on the outside, Connor can play a position and you can push Luis up a little bit and let JP be more of the, you know, help with the defense. So and, and he's, Jay has seemed to, to not have a problem putting both Luis and Connor out there at the same time recently. Luis is one, I think would be better as a second half sub because his, I like it. He's able to defend better. So I've got two midfield uh, for that fourth spot. Uh, okay. Depending on how we're, we're going into this game, if we're going in this to score quick and then hold, yeah, do a double six and throw Chivani in there. Yeah. Here's my other thought. If, if Dion can't play. Uh, if we're going for more attacking, throw Kamal in there. Ooh, that'd be fun. And if you start, I don't think start Noe and uh, and um, I don't think I don't think Noe's healthy. Yeah, I don't think he is either. But even if you start Corey and Ricky up top, um, or you know, I think Corey and Ricky make more sense than Corey and Alex personally. But yeah. If you think if you start Corey and Ricky up top, the thing about Ricky is he is a guy that will fall back and pluck the ball in the midfield. So if him and Kamal are switching off, 
a little bit with those runs, then you really kind of have three forwards in a sense. Well, uh-huh. I mean, to that point, uh, even throwing throwing Alex in there, uh, Alex Bruce yeah. would would make some sense. Like getting getting the attacking chops up there uh, and just pressing nonstop because Chattanooga's defense has not been earth shattering this year. No, I uh, mean, two of their losses, I mean, in their last five games, they lost two of those five or yeah, two of those five. One was the Tucson two to one. Now, granted that was in Tucson. So they had a little travel in there, but they also yeah. lost that. Um, uh, also RIP. Yeah, RIP Tucson. Um, but they also then went down to Tormenta on decision day. And which is what made us end up in fifth place. Even I mean, we were doomed with yeah. a lot. But but Tormenta went in there. Or they went into chat. Uh, Chattanooga went into Tormenta and lost two nil. So I mean, they they're they do have these. If you look at their last five games that they've played, they've scored two, three. So they scored two against Richmond. They only scored one against Tucson. Scored three on Charlotte, which we. Couldn't do that. They only scored one on North Carolina, and then they didn't score any on Tormenta. So while their offense scored a lot of goals, it was kind of yeah. in fits and starts too. Yeah, um, you know. And the last time we played them in September was, I think, was that our last win? Uh, yeah, that was. Yeah, that two to one win at Warner Park. So I mean, I think that if Jay and his and the staff can have the team ready to play that way again and ready to play that, I think we'll be okay. I think that's that's going to be the best starting lineup guesses we have without knowing who's all fully healthy and ready to roll. Yeah, I I, I had a conversation with Jay yesterday at the the mini pitch event, <laughs> uh, and. Uh, since Jay doesn't release an injury report, I'm not going to say for sure, but it, it, we're we're feeling the late season. Um, not only late season, but we played so many more games than we were expecting to. Yeah, making the quarterfinals and I mean, cup, playing tougher team. You're just we're feeling a lot of that. These are we played a lot of games this season. Yeah, no, and a lot of games. And we played them in spurts. Mm-hmm. Like we had a very heavy beginning of the season. Uh, we had a very heavy end of season. Now, forward wise, and again, um, with that midfield position, Hugo. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I think if we're you're looking for the added attack, Hugo in a position where he's not relied upon as the top two mm-hmm. might be a good option there for a half. Then switch it up. And I, I think our best option right now with who's healthy is going to be Ricky and Corey up top. Yeah. But Hugo is fast. Uh, he hasn't gotten a lot of minutes, which might make him depending on his his mental fortitude might make him more more aggressive 
pressing the issue significantly more and and put him in there. Yeah. But I think if you're going to go consistency and guys who have a history of scoring, granted not recently, but Corey and Ricky are going to be the two two up yeah. top. Yeah, I just, I mean, I, I like Hugo. I think Hugo, um, this might get to that one question we were talking about. about. So Morgan had asked us on Twitter, who would be our top five to have come back next year? I don't know that Hugo falls into my top five, but I think Hugo is a really good example of a guy that another season or two with this staff and learning how to play at a professional level in the States, I think that Hugo Hugo's would, a project player. Yeah, and, and that's that's okay. Like. I think that, honestly, that's the next level and next evolution of this team is to be taking on guys like that that you have for a longer term. And after two, three seasons, if they're excelling, then you get that opportunity to sell on as as the market becomes aware that USL can do that. Um, I, I think we just we caught lightning in a bottle so much those first two seasons with guys like Evan and, and Dominic. Well, we also didn't have to compete against two other leagues that year to pick people up. Nisa yep. ended up not happening. Um, it didn't have MLS next yet. Like yep. we, we had better opportunities to, to grab college players who, who now are in the championship for the most part yep. uh, and, and really have some success. Absolutely. So, so let's talk about who, who do you want? Who are your five? My top five. Okay. I'm just going to go – I have the roster up, so I'm going to go – I think uh, what, this is in no particular order. I'm just going by groupings. Um, I think Shaft. Uh, mm-hmm. I, we haven't gotten a full season with Shaft. I would love to see him back. Um, loved the interview you did with him. He sounds like the type of personality guy that we want on this team as well. He'd represent yeah. Omaha well. Um, sticking with defense, even though I would – Love to see him move up. I think having Dalton back, um, Dalton, is, Dalton has worn the armband. I think Dalton would continue to be a captain uh, shout. I think Dalton's a good one to have back. Um, Noe, Noe's in my top five just because I see it not a direct comp, but I think I see a lot of Evan in him of another season and he could really go off. Um, I would – and I'm also avoiding people that I know for sure that I think for sure would be back. Um, JP is definitely in my top five. Uh, even though I would love to see JP go back, go somewhere else. If JP has no other ch- answers, I would love to see him back. And I think Shivani's in that top five for me. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, having a couple guys from the midfield that have some time together again is going to be a huge for us. So, I think, I think we all know Yoskar's on a, a multi-year. Oh, yeah. Um, those are the guys I was like, like Yoskar, yeah. Eddie, Hugo, Connor. Like, those are guys that, depending on where they are in their careers, you kind of expect them to be back. Yeah. All right. So, my five, and I, like, I, I'm saying this, my... Ryan, Shaft, mm-hmm. G, Joe, Noe. Yeah, I love it. I mean, uh, I, I, I don't like 
as much as I want Dalton back, as much as I want Shido back, as much as I want JP back, I want them to go do better. Oh, for sure. Like I, they, I'm going to be mad at their agents or the people who decided not to have an agent. Uh, if they don't go play at a higher level because they've, they've earned it. They've shown for three seasons here, Union Omaha, that they, they deserve a start in a better, well, not necessarily a better league, but a higher league. They yeah. deserve a paycheck that reflects their, their abilities. Yeah. I think, I think JP, um, Shido, I think both of them, even Dalton, I think they all would be very successful in the championship. Um, at that level, I, I, I think, you know, I think even um, JP would have, you know, JP and Dalton would really have to work hard, but I think that they would even have a shout at making an MLS roster and at least game time. But yeah. I think sure they both have proven they can play against higher competitions, you know, regularly. So, yeah. Um, um, one last sort of honorable question. mentions for oh, me, uh, Kevin. Mm-hmm. I would like to see Kevin back and like uh, as a goalkeeper, he's, he's older. He's on the older end of uh, his career yep. and Connor, um, yep. same thing. Like if they're going to retire, I think, that, and maybe they're not going to retire, but if they want to keep playing, uh, they've been very connected to the fan base. Yes. Um, very good for the fan base. And I, I think those two um, w- would be great additions back next year. And, think, and as you said, like there are people we're expecting to come back that aren't getting mentioned. Um, and and there, there really, there's nobody on this team. I want to see gone because there's so much potential on this team. Agreed. I, Ideally, you keep a lot of this team together and you fill in some holes and we get some more depth. That's really what I think we're learning yeah. from from this season is when the injury bug hits you, your depth issue. Yeah. Last season, like, it hit us as bad, so the, the depth didn't become as much of an issue that it was this year. Well, yeah, I mean, Gio and Isaac uh, going out both with ACL, like that's – that's something that hurts, and you know they, if they get a get healthy and are able to play next year, seeing what their full potential through a full season would be, yeah, it just that that alone could could entirely change the way we play because Gio was just starting to hit his form exactly. when he he took that. It, it was, so it was so early for him that I yeah I think that. He's he's one that I see. I mean, Isaac might have other options, but I think both of them, seeing how um, not only the community embraced them, but how the team supported them through that, honored the contracts, did all this the right things, the things you should do um, when those types of injuries happened, and kept them as part of the team. I think that you know, coming off an injury like that, if you have a team you can come back to, it's a lot easier than trying to find a new team that that is a little skittish because you had a pretty significant knee injury. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then last, last question, how many distilleries will I hit on the, my, my journey to Chattanooga? Um, I'm only looking at one. 
Yeah, which one? Uh, let me see. I still have a bottle from the last time I went down. Uh, <laughs> MB Roland. Oh, nice. It's a nice little uh, bourbon distillery off the interstate in, uh, in Kentucky. Uh, great, great bourbon, great little tasting room. Nice, nice little farm setting. Nice. Yeah. I'll find out if, uh, if my wife's company carries that one. Well, as far as I know, they only distribute in southern Illinois, Kentucky, and Tennessee right now. Well, they're my their companies nationwide, so it wouldn't be in Nebraska, obviously. But yeah, but super tasty. Right. Um. All right. I, I guess there are a couple of bits of news that we we didn't hit in the beginning. I'll I'll hit now. Uh, as we alluded to in the middle of the pod. Tucson has, ownership has pulled out. John Perlman, the coach, uh, formed a new ownership group that purchased it, but moved down to USL two, retaining the rights for USL League One. Mm-hmm. Um, the intention is to find a new home that they have more control over, and I believe take a year or two to try and restart the organization the way it should have and get it back up to, to league one. Yep. Um, but Knoxville announced that it will be starting, uh, starting play in 2023. So next season that puts us up to 12 teams, even losing Tucson. So we're, we're on a positive this year, uh, with Lexington and Knoxville, both, both joining league one. So some fun, fun away days play it, uh, to, to plan. Yeah. And, do you think the Knoxville um, announcement coinciding with Tucson's announcement was coincidental? No, no, because um, they they've been teasing that for like yeah. three months, something like that. It's just but nice. It, it'll be they are ready to be able to go next season, so that one we're not still stuck at eleven and have these wonky schedules, but also that they're. Um, they're able to show that this league can still grow because that's I think that's the biggest struggle with this league right now is every season yeah. we've lost a team in some way. Well, and I mean last year losing all of the the MLS two sides stung a little bit schedule wise, but wasn't <laughs> no world ending. No, losing a losing a founding original or independent like. That hurts a little bit more, but what, looking at the reasoning behind it and everything, it it makes sense. Yeah, um, for them. All right. Um, I, I guess the the normal plug of go to wghmedia.com for your game day preview, uh, as well as data dives if you're looking to catch up on what's been going on this season. A uh, lot of great information there. Uh, check out our podcast and YouTube for interview with Shaft that we did last week. Uh, honestly, one of the most intelligent young players I've ever met. Uh, really, really think he, there's a lot in store for him, uh, whether here or elsewhere. But uh, he's great, great guy to talk to. It was a great conversation. A lot of fun. Um, yeah, and uh, one, one more thing from us before 
we, we get to the final question. Score prediction. I think we I think we go we win five four in penalties after a one one draw. All right. Um I'm gonna say it's a two one UO win. Uh second goal about the eightieth minute mark. Love it. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we, we finally need to get one at the end of the game. God. Yeah. Something good needs to happen. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, time. It's that time again. Who gives a hoot? We do. We do.